Hello, and welcome to this special episode of Committee Corridor. Around a quarter of the UK's adult population have signed a petition to Parliament. It's one of the ways that UK residents can alert members of Parliament to concerns that matter to them and make their voices heard. Petitions to the UK Parliament e-petition site ask for a change to the law or to policy. Since the parliamentary petition system was launched in 2015, we've opened 30,000 petitions with more than 110 million signatures. More than 1,700 petitions have received government responses and 350 petitions have been debated in Parliament. Today, we're going to discuss how the process works and why petitions can make a difference. I'm Catherine McKinnell. I'm the Labour Member of Parliament for Newcastle-upon-Tyne North and I chair the Petitions Committee in the House of Commons. Parliament's e-petition website allows members of the public to engage directly with the political process. After 10,000 signatures, petitions get a response from government. After 100,000 signatures, petitions are considered for debate in Parliament by our cross-party committee. And like other select committees, the Petitions Committee can decide to inquire into topics raised by petitions, take evidence from expert witnesses and produce reports. So in today's special episode, we're going to hear from a father who was one third of a campaign to raise awareness of suicide prevention. Suicide is the biggest killer of those under age 35 across the UK. Andy Airy is one of the three dads walking who petitioned Parliament to make suicide prevention a compulsory part of the school curriculum. We'll also hear from Nick Fletcher, the member of the Petitions Committee who opened the debate on Andy's petition in the House of Commons. Nick is the Conservative Member of Parliament for Don Valley. And we'll talk to Professor Christina Leston-Bandera from the University of Leeds. She looks at the relationship between Parliament and citizens and how they engage with the public, particularly through petitions. Petitions are one of the easiest ways to get involved in politics, so even just that should show why petitions are so important for our societies as a way of people bringing in issues, things that they really care about. But first, I want to welcome Andy Airy, our petitioner, and Nick Fletcher, who presented his petition to the House of Commons. Andy's daughter Sophie took her own life in 2018, aged 29. He campaigns along with Mike Palmer and Tim Owen, who lost their daughters, Beth and Emily, at the ages of 17 and 19. They walked 300 miles between their homes in 2021 and 500 miles in 2022 between the UK's four parliaments to raise awareness of suicide prevention. Thank you both for joining me today. Andy, I was going to come to you first. You, Tim and Mike, the three dads walking, are some of the best-known petitioners we've known since the Parliamentary Petitions website was set up. Could you tell us a bit about your campaign and, and what you hope to achieve? Hi, and thanks thanks for having us uh, on here, Catherine. It's a, it's a great privilege to take part in this one. We're completely accidental campaigners. You know, We didn't choose to come down this route at all. 
our families were just trundling away, living normal lives until our girls took their own lives, Sophie in 2018 and Emily and Beth right at the start of lockdown in 2020. Um, we came together through a, a kind of quirk of fate uh, the following year and decided that we'd go for a walk just to raise money for papyrus. That's what it was. Uh, and raise a bit of awareness of suicide prevention and maybe get more people introduced to papyrus. It was actually on that walk that that we became these accidental campaigners because we met so many suicide bereaved parents who told us their stories of loss. And critically, the, the thing that we kept hearing every day on that walk, people kept saying it was only after they lost their loved one um, that they discovered papyrus, and it was then that they discovered that suicide's the biggest killer of young people in the in the country. And invariably, they said, "Why didn't anybody tell us? Why didn't anybody tell them? If 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 suicide's the biggest risk to our young people, surely we should be doing something about it." So it was off the back of that walk we wrote to the government because we 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 came back we got back and looked at the the school curriculum to find that there's and there's great stuff on there regarding mental health and well-being you know, certainly radically different to anything that I experienced when I was going through school um but um, conspicuous by its absence was mention of the biggest single risk to our young people so we thought well we're right we'll write a letter, you know, uh, and that prompted a reply from the Department for Education and in, an invitation from Health to go and see Gillian Keegan, who at the time was minister who had responsibility for suicide prevention. So that's that's kind of how we started. The petition kind of came about. It was always there, you know. It's you, people often say when you're doing something, you've got to start a petition, do a write a petition. But it was, I can't say it was something that was at the forefront of our minds at all. But it just kind of rattled around. And then when we decided to go for a walk, it became something that we considered further. But it, it was definitely not at the forefront of our minds. So the petition that you did bring to make suicide a compulsory part of the school curriculum, what was it that actually made you take that step to put it into a petition form as part of your really important campaign? We, so we talked about it for quite a while. Um, and we were slowly formulating something, but um, we we actually put it on hold um, when Javed announced the 10-year strategy uh, for suicide prevention, because it kind of felt like um, the government seemed to be pointing in the right direction. And so we thought we'd We'll see what happens. But what actually happened was by accident, um, we'd bumped into Andy Burnham, uh, Metro Mayor of Manchester. Um, and uh, we ended up sitting in his office uh, to talk about how he could help um, the, the campaign. And he wondered what he could do to help us a lot. And almost the first thing he said to us was, have you got a petition? Uh, to which we, we explained that we'd thought about it, but we kind of put it on the back burner. And he said, well, from his experience, uh, when he was at Westminster, he said he found petitions a really useful tool. As a, as a minister, if you wanted to make a change, if you could show evidence that there really was a groundswell of support on a particular issue, you could use that as a lever to really move the machinery of government along. Um, so it was Andy's uh, prompt that that brought us back to the petition. It, it was one of those things that you... It was we were going to throw it out there, and we had no idea whether people would pick it up, um, would would react with it, um, 
so we just didn't know. We did understand the process that we had those, the threshold at 10,000 to get a response from government and 100,000 for it to be considered for debate. And because of the profile we had, uh, particularly with the support that we'd got from BBC Breakfast, we were pretty sure we'd get the 10,000, but 100,000 signatures did, did seem an awful long way away. Um, but as it happened, uh, we, I think we ended up with nicely over 160,000 signatures. And, and more importantly, we got so many people talking about suicide prevention when we did the second walk across the country, which I've got to say was 600 miles as well, not 500. Don't, don't, don't uh, do us out of 500 miles. <laughs> Well corrected, <laughs> absolutely. Um, well, I mean, that, that leads me very much to bring in Nick, who opened the debate on the petition. Nick, do you want to just tell us about your role as a Member of Parliament, as a member of the committee opening the petition? Yes, I, uh, thank you. And thanks for asking me to come and uh, join you today. And it's, uh, it's, good to, uh, it's, it's good to hear Andy again. I, uh, I met Andy back in January with um, with. Uh, Mike and Tim, and uh, it was uh, it was uh, obviously uh, um, uh, the three very uh, bubbly characters, even though they've been such through such such tragedy. So it was it was great it was great to meet them all. But um, you know, uh, Catherine has been the chair of the petitions committee. That uh, it's a fantastic way of people. Uh, to get their issues in in front of in front of a minister, and uh, these petitions come to us, and then we have our regular meeting, and um, we decide who's going to lead each of each of these debates. And with some of the work that I've done with my old party parliamentary group on issues affecting men and boys, suicides come up um, um, such a lot. So it is a it is a subject that I'm. I'm really interested in, and so it was. It was one of the debates that I uh, that I offered to offered to take. I think it did raise a huge amount of awareness for the subject. I, uh, just like Andy said, I don't think many people realise how many people this is affecting, and that is the beauty of petitions. It uh, it does raise awareness more than anything else, and so I hope uh, I hope Andy, Tim, and Mike was were, were pleased with the way the debate went. Uh, and um, there are, I know that I keep seeing them pop up on my Twitter feed and, and Facebook, and uh, they're obviously continuing to press. Which is, uh, I think, the beauty of petitions is that they are they can be a springboard for um, for further work. So uh, I hope they've I hope they've found it um, a help. I'm sure they have. And Andy, do you just want to explain a little about uh, papyrus while while um, while I was discussing this? It turns out they do some fantastic work. You know, they run a, a crisis line called Hopeline Twenty Four Seven, where people in crisis can phone up or folk who are uh, concerned others. If you're looking for help and advice, um, even professionals, you know, police and doctors and um, mental health people who are struggling to deal with someone in front of them, you can actually phone up and ask for help. So they do that, but they also go out and deliver. Uh, training, so they're trying to equip young people with knowledge and skills that will help them um, to deal with the dark times. Um, and they also um, try and influence the decision makers. So Jed Flynn, who's the chief exec of Papyrus, does wander around the corridors of Westminster on a regular basis. But we, we've found them to be just a fantastic organisation, and the feedback we've had with the stuff we've done with them we know that they are directly responsible for saving lives on a daily basis. 
Yeah, they're a fantastic charity. So I, I speak with uh, different governing bodies and uh, charities and obviously the petitioners themselves and uh, I pull it all together and then obviously we, uh, we we lead on the debate. Some petitions, there's, there's obviously opposing views, but uh, I think on this one that... Uh, that um, the three dads walking, there's not much opposition to what is um, what they're wanting to do, really. So, uh, as a lead petitioner, I try and take a neutral, uh, a neutral uh, ground on things. But with this, obviously, we wanted to uh, we wanted to get behind this um, with Andy, Mike, and Tim, and uh, everybody. And everybody was in the debate uh, was all speaking in the uh, in the same in the same way, wanting this to happen. So I know, Nick, you've done quite a lot of work on suicide in Parliament and you mentioned your work with the APPG as well. Um, what, why, why do you think this issue is so important and how we approach it as a society? It's because um, it is um, the biggest killer of, uh, of, of people under 35. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's taking uh, 13 uh, young men lives a day and and three um, and three young women's lives a day and it's an it's an absolute tragedy and uh, I've spoken with so many parents uh, and they all just want to they all just want to make sure that uh, or do everything they can to to stop other parents having to having to go through this and obviously the young liars themselves. I mean, it's it, it, young people. They've got so much going for them these days, and obviously, they uh, they obviously don't. So, I mean, one of the biggest things that we've that we've heard is, especially with with young men, is that they just they just don't talk enough. Uh, and obviously, it's exactly the same with 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 women. Um, there's fewer of them, but that doesn't make uh, each case any less any less tragic. Uh, and it's raising this awareness because I think we all go about as day to day business, and we can be we can be busy parents, we can be busy uh, um, and sons and daughters, and we just go around as as day to day business, and then all of a sudden something happens out of the blue, and we've we've just not seen it. So I think just that just that awareness of it, and obviously schools, it's important with schools because um, I mean when you're a young person. Uh, the um, the other authority figures in your life are teachers, and I think they um, they can spot things in just like a parent can spot things sometimes in a young person's life. But then these young people need to know about this so they can help their friends as well. And obviously, as they get older, um, they'll, they'll, if we got this knowledge into the kids while they were at school, this knowledge would stay with them all the way through their lives, so they'd know know the signs to look out for, know to ask that question, are you okay? No, are you really okay? And that's what we need to be doing. But I'm sure Andy would like to add some more more, more to that because he's, he's become quite the expert on this. <laughs> no, so I was going to say we're no experts. I was going to ask you, Andy, um, you know, how, how is that experience for you seeing this issue that you have campaigned so hard on and brought in a petition and received quite overwhelming support from the public. How does it feel at that stage to, to have it debated in Parliament, to see it debated in that way? It, it was an unbelievably emotional evening that Monday night. Um, you know, the, the committee room was pretty full. Um, we didn't know what to expect at all. Uh, and Nick had explained the, the structure, so we knew how it was going to work, but obviously we didn't know how many MPs were going to turn up and, and say anything. 
But it was an absolute revelation to sit there and hear MP after MP stand up and talk about us three, three, three uh, old blokes who'd gone for a walk and talk about our daughters um, and how they'd lo lost their lives and how that had then affected ours. And it was a really um, unbelievably poignant evening, uh, quite surreal at times to hear this. But the, the, the thing that was humbling, really, was the fact that MP after MP after MP stood up and like Nick, they'd obviously gone away and, and done a bit of research and dug into the background of, of what we'd been talking about. And without exception, they stood up and said, yep, yeah, these guys are right. This is the biggest risk to our young people in the country. Um, we've got to do something about it, you know. And and obviously, we were pointing at a very specific um, uh, target, which was a very small part of the school curriculum, because it's actually quite an easy target because you can it can quite easily show what's there in the curriculum, and it's very easy to point out what isn't there. The crucially, suicide prevention isn't there as a compulsory subject. So, the, so our question was quite simply: if this is our the biggest risk to our young people, why aren't we doing something about it? And we yet to find anybody to give us a reason why we're not doing. Um, so, so doing nothing is is not an option. So, it's, yeah, it's a real humbling experience to sit and hear um, in that debate. Um, everybody stand up and and support what we're trying to do. Uh, so, yeah, it's another kind of surreal step along the uh, this say this accidental campaigning journey that uh, Mike, Tim, and I have have, have uh, launched ourselves onto. But I, I do have to say. Uh, um, uh, Nick's absolutely right that it, we we were aware that the end of the petitions process that was it that night, um, so that was going to be the the end of that particular road. But he was absolutely right that it it, it was a springboard onto uh, lots of other things. So I have to say it's in, it's really powerful to hear you say that because as MPs and I'm sure Nick would agree, it's incredibly humbling for us to have that role in being that voice of your petition in parliament and especially uh to a campaign as 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 important as yours and 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 as successful i would say as well in terms of raising awareness but i'd be interested from your perspective how important do you think the petition has been to the success of your campaign or um do you think a petition is successful when it achieves its outcome or is it important in itself in just raising that awareness with lawmakers and and the public as well and that is a really good question um it's it, it's it, i think when we started down it we saw it as this um uh the, the, it, we saw the thresholds we saw the 10,000 and the 100,000 thresholds and, and so we knew we had to keep shouting to to try to drive people towards our website and the government website uh, to click on the sign here button um but it became a really useful tool uh when we were talking about our campaign um, because it was a, a direct call for action and and uh, um it gave people a reason to actually get involved with what we're doing and look to support us in a positive way. A bit, a bit like on the first walk, the call for action was give us some money because your money will save people's lives. The second walk was 
look up, look at this, you know, suicide's the biggest killer under 35s in the country. We need to do something about it. Here's something we can do. You can help us. And it, it allowed us to get a, a different message out on the second walk. So it wasn't a replication of, of what had gone on before. And obviously in terms of um, coverage, it allowed the BBC to cover us again because it wasn't just more of the same. It wasn't just three lads, three, three lads, three, three dads uh, trundling across the country um, trying to raise some money. You know, we were out there with a different message, a different mission. So you know, it was a really useful tool to help us bang the drum and, and engage with different people. So, Nick, I was going to um, ask you about petitions more generally because you've mentioned before that sometimes petitions can be more controversial than others. This is one where everybody was singing with one voice, but sometimes there may be issues that we debate in Parliament that some people find quite offensive, which is quite challenging for our committee and for us as MPs. Can you just talk a little bit about how you would deal with and how you do deal with a more divisive topic than this particular petition that we've been talking about with Andy? Yeah, some of them can be uh, can be quite quite difficult and and quite controversial. I do try where, where, wherever possible to, uh, to 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 look at it from look at it from both sides. And I think I've taken quite a few uh, over this past couple of years, and I've, I've managed to do it. But in fairness to to all the other members of the committee, they've 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 managed to do it too. So I think um, I would encourage all members of Parliament to join Petitions Committee. I really do think it's a it's a it's a great way of of, of representing um, the people who don't necessarily have that voice. And petitions, I would encourage as many people as possible to start start those petitions because we can't know everything that's that's going off in in this big wide world it's uh, it's only when people actually email us and tell us but petitions uh, it, it brings them people together so uh, yeah bring them on controversial or not I, I want to get them in the chamber I want to get MPs talking about these things and, and we want to hear where the government uh, what the government think about it too well you're a great advocate for the petitions committee and um, I wanted to ask you one more question though which is what do you think because you've talked about the things you find really positive about the work that we do as a committee. What do you find most challenging in terms of the work we do? I think it can be those controversial debates. It, it really can uh, because um, the petitioners, they've, they, it's their day. And as Andy said, the, the day was really, really important um, for, uh, for him, uh, Mike and Tim. And if you if if there's another side of the subject that um, goes against what the petitioners want, but I, I feel it's only fair that I actually have to put that case forward as well. That can be really quite challenging, and I have had, I mean I've I've had it a few times, and I've had to walk to the back because it's great when a petitioner actually comes to the chamber as well. I mean, he comes to the Westminster Hall and doesn't listen to it on TV. Actually, comes into the uh, into Westminster and take, uh, and listens to it. I think it's great. But then sometimes when I've led a debate and you have to walk to the back and and shake the petitioner's hand and and maybe it's not gone the way that they particularly wanted it to. That that can be. That can be quite quite challenging, and I think the expectations there sometimes. I mean, Andy, Tim, and Mike knew that 
this wasn't going to create a piece of legislation. It's more of getting people to listen uh, and getting ministers to understand what's out there. But I think sometimes people get quite excited about it with a petition and think, even though you've said to them, look, it's not going to happen today. This is just the next stepping stone, the next springboard. They still think it might happen today. And I think it's just uh, doing that. But uh, no, I mean, it's fantastic. Petitions is great. And I know, I'm, I know when legislation is is made um it's it, they look back to these petitions to see what's being said by other members of parliament and that helps form legislation i always say as a member of parliament so, i mean catherine you'll know exactly the same thing as well that what we do now we do not know how that's helped somebody immediately it might help somebody in 20 years time might help somebody in 30 years time and it's exactly the same with what andy tim and mike are doing what they are doing now They'll never know that they've actually helped somebody, but I know that they have. I know that they have, and it's petitions that uh, it's petitions has been part of that uh, part of that uh, help. So, Andy, what's next for the three dads walking? Um, well, the first thing we're going to be involved in is is the ongoing um, review of the RSHE curriculum. That's the uh, relationship, sex, and health education curriculum that's happening um, at the moment. Uh, so, we're actively involved in that. Um, and we hope to see um, the that the review being um, released, or recommendations from the review being released in the autumn, uh, and then hopefully we're going to see a, a curriculum that will have suicide prevention added to the school curriculum as a compulsive subject um, happening early next year. So things do seem to be moving on. Everything does seem to be falling into place very nicely, and uh, and I think the exposure we've received through. Uh, the petition and being involved in the debate in the, with, through the petitions committee has really helped us along the way. But then also looking slightly farther ahead into into 2024, we're going to go for another walk. Um, since we are three dads walking, we're not three dads campaigning, although we have been this year. Um, we're looking to, to um, I'm not sure if celebrate the right word, but we Papyrus have, have, have really accelerated their... Um, the footprint growth. Um, they've always been national because of the Hope Line twenty four seven, but they're opening more offices across the country. Um, partly, partly because of the funds that we generated with the first walk. Um, so we thought we would walk between a few of their new offices. So we're going to look at coming down the east coast of the country. So we're going to walk through your constituency at some point. So we'll have to invite you along. I would be absolutely delighted to join you in that. And uh, I don't know whether you'd then touch on Nick's constituency further south in Doncaster, but I'm sure he would too. What an incredible campaign you have all run. And I speak for Nick and I that we are genuinely honoured to be be able to have played a part in supporting this very important work. And thank you so much for spending the time today to talk through this experience for you from a petitions perspective. Um, and also, Nick, for sharing your experience and insights as well. It's been uh, really good to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Catherine. Well, thank you. petitions are an easy way to make your concerns heard if you want to see change to legislation or policy which the government or parliament can address. Like most other select committees, we have 11 backbench members of parliament drawn from across the House of Commons. Sometimes we ask for more information in writing 
or in person. We can write to the government or another public body to press for action. We can also work with other committees to look into the topic. Or we can put forward petitions for debate by MPs. I'm joined now by Professor Christina Leston Bandera. A professor of politics at the University of Leeds, Christina is interested in understanding the methods parliaments have developed to engage with the public. In recent years, she's focused particularly on petitions. Christina, you've done a lot of work into the House of Commons petition system and the work of the Petitions Committee. Why do you think petitions are so important? Well, petitions are one of the easiest ways to get involved in politics. So even just that should show why petitions are so important for our societies as a way of people bringing in issues, things that they really care about, to politics. Um, it doesn't take a lot of effort and they're easy to collect, to go around and, and get to your friends and people you know. So it's a really easy way to get involved in politics. But then also another reason is that it becomes a key channel to bring issues to Parliament which MPs may not be aware of. So MPs have a very good, uh, quite close relationship often with their constituents. In their constituencies, they'll have issues brought to them, but they don't necessarily get that overall picture of how much is it affecting constituents at the national level. And so petitions are a really good way of bringing issues to MPs which they may not be aware. It's what we often refer to as the fire alarm function of petitions and to bring those matters to Parliament. And a really good example of that was um, a petition that we had on maternity care during lockdown. So lockdown, there was lots of regulations, policies uh, coming through and very, very quickly because of the nature of the crisis we were facing at the time. And naturally, there were lots of holes in, that, in those policies because there was not necessarily the time to think through how they would be implemented. And the petition on maternity care just showed that there were lots of issues related to that. And for instance, I remember you questioning the Prime Minister about this at the Liaison Committee and saying at the time, something like it was easier to go down to the pub than to support your partners in, in, in hospital at a time just because of the regulations were done. So that's a good example of, you know, a, a policy that was brought in and Parliament became more aware of the issues through that petition. It's also a way of, of the citizens shaping um, the parliamentary agenda and being bringing issues to Parliament that are outside the party politics. Party politics tends to shape our politics, and it's a way of citizens bringing in their own issues that they care about. I remember it very well. It was easier to go on a shooting trip than to visit your own baby's growth scans, as I recall. Um, but you say it's one of the easiest ways to engage with Parliament, but I'm sure there are still challenges to taking part. What do you think are the main challenges seeking those looking to use a parliamentary petition to bring about change? There's definitely challenges and my research has showed that uh, repeatedly. And I would summarise those challenges as four key challenges. One of those challenges is what I would refer to as democracy literacy, in that a lot of people do not necessarily understand how parliament works or the parliamentary processes associated with petitions. Um, and for instance, 
most people that has come through in my uh, focus groups and interviews do not realise that change.org, for instance, is completely different to petitions submitted to Parliament. And that is a challenge in itself because if the people do not understand the process, they can't necessarily be involved and acting, putting the pressure at the right moments. Another challenge is IT literacy. So obviously a lot of people have very good levels of IT literacy, use digital for everything, but we must not forget um, seldom heard groups such as people from low social economic background who may have IT poverty. They may not necessarily be that familiar with using uh, digital means and also elderly people. So we, I've done some focus groups recently where this was very, very clear. And then there's a process of making your petition matter. So achieving those high thresholds of signatures, it's not necessarily that easy. You need campaigning, you need uh, campaigning skills skills that you might not necessarily have. And and so to get noticed, it's, it's actually quite difficult. And in the UK system, there are thousands, as you know, thousands and thousands of petitions. So to, to get noticed is, is a real challenge. And then I would say the final challenge is about the generating the campaign around the petition. I often say the petition itself is just a hook. The petition itself doesn't do a change. It's what you do with the petition, how you campaign with it. And, and that's why the process associated with the petition is so important. But that's, again, it's a challenge for someone who's not necessarily used to doing campaigning. And given the hard work of campaigning and sometimes what feels like very slow pace of change, is there a risk that people just get frustrated with the petitions process? Absolutely. And, and this is something again that comes through in my research very clearly. Um, I even have petitioners where the petition, I would say, has been taken seriously. They have had a debate in parliament. The issue I know for fact is progressing, but it takes a long time. And when it's something that you care passionately about, something that affects your life, um, very, very closely, whether it's access to medication, whether it's a process of access to children, whatever that may be. Obviously, every single day that passes through is really important and it's frustrating. But that's why um, taking, keeping constant communication with petitioners is so important. And investing on understanding the process is so important. But also, uh, dispelling myths such as change.org being the same as parliament it isn't but that really needs it's really really important for petitioners to understand what the processes are so how do you think the uk petition system compares to those of other countries or legislatures it compares really well in terms of innovation in terms of volume of petitions so by any measure that you may um, measure it it's it's got the highest volume of petitions and petitions considered um, by a long margin, even if you cons if you compare with large parliaments like the German parliament, the Bundestag, which is a parliament with a very strong tradition in petitioning in parliament. Um, those high numbers have problems in terms of the getting noticed, in terms of getting through, but it definitely compares very well in, in relation to other countries. Other systems, maybe like the Scottish Parliament, has more of a focus on the individual petitioners in terms of hearing from the petitioners. The system in the UK Parliament, in the House of Commons, is more focused around maybe the issue, the debates. Um, but the system in the House of Commons in the UK Parliament has lots of innovation, particularly in terms of the engagement methods, and it has been a, 
a leading uh, committee in terms of the work it has done since 2015. And for instance, the way it links up to other business in parliament is quite unusual. You don't necessarily see that in other parliaments. So we see now, for instance, debates happening in the Westminster Hall debates that are linked to people who have uh, signed petitions on the same issue or uh, linking it with committees. So for instance, we have the example of the petition on maternity uh, maternity care of uh, uh, black women who ha- there was a petition on this and then the health and social care committee had an inquiry and thanks to your understanding of the issue and of the petition you're able to take those petitioners to that health and social care committee inquiry and to have an input from 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 the petitioners and that link with the parliamentary business that's quite unusual and that's the sort of area that other parliaments are not necessarily doing there's a few parliaments also that have modeled on the UK system so in Canada they were they introduced it very much modeled on on the UK system Australia also obviously with some differences but model here and even somewhere like Brazil Brazil doesn't actually have petitions Latin America America doesn't have petitions, they have other things. And their system is not petition, it's legislative ideas, ideas for legislation. But the process is the same, even the thresholds are the same. So that's really interesting um, how it is quite different from other systems and it's being modelled in, in many other countries. That's, that's really interesting to hear and good to hear the things that we're doing well, but I'm sure you'll have some suggestions for how we can improve things. It's all about um, strengthening really that understanding about petitioning, which is so important and the process. So I would say uh, very specific things, but a better linkage between the actual petition site and what the committee does. So one of the things that comes through our interviews and focus groups is that people are not necessarily aware of all the activity that the committee is doing because they don't even know about the side of the committee, uh, more use of visuals and infographics to explain better the system for people who don't have the democracy literacy or the IT literacy, but also materials, printed materials, um, better IT systems to filter through the duplicate petitions, because at the moment, uh, there's a high percentage of petitions that are not accepted because there's already one petition on, on, on the topic. Um, and even better integration with other parliamentary business, that's already really good, but there's always more things to do. And that is not necessarily coming from the petitions committee, but coming from the other areas of the house so that MPs know more or refer MPs start thinking about, is there a petition on this topic? Let's find out what people think about it, that sort of thing. Well, that's quite a to-do list. So thank you very much for your time today, Christina. It's much appreciated. You're very welcome. And thank you for inviting me. My thanks to all my guests today. You can see the full range of petitions that are currently open and find out how to start your own on petitions.parliament.uk. We've been talking about voter ID and how recent local elections have been a warm-up for the next general election. We've heard how the decline in local journalism challenges our local democracy and processes such as the courts. Find all our past episodes by searching Committee Corridor plus UK Parliament. Committee Corridor aims to explain how select committees are at the heart of big conversations and sometimes drive them too. We'd really like your feedback, including whether you'd like to hear more podcasts from Committee Corridor and what topics you'd like to hear discussed. Fill out our survey, available from our web pages or your podcast provider. But for now, it's goodbye. I'm Catherine McKinnell. 
And this has been Committee Corridor. Thank you for listening. <laughs>